Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. It is 10.53 a.m., and I'm guessing by now, this late in the day, you've probably asked yourself, like, why am I going to church today? What? You haven't? Like, before your first cup of coffee, did you ask, why am I going to church today? Walking in from the parking lot, you didn't ask yourself, why am I going to church today? No? I see Caroline, no. <laughs> well, by the time you saw my, my bride on the porch and see, she said, hello, you should probably know why you came to church today. Obviously, it's to see Miss Kay, right? That didn't do it either? What? Okay, don't sweat it, church. I love you, and... I'm going to tell you why you're here at church today, because I knew six weeks ago. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. That's where we're going to start getting our first clues. In my line of work, I encounter Christians almost every day who have no idea what a believer's relationship is to sin who have no idea who's on top, who's on the bottom. Is this thing like a, I heard a fellow say once that uh, circumstances are like a mattress. You're not supposed to be under it. You're supposed to be on top of it. What's, what's up with believers? Are we on top of this thing called sin? Are we underneath this thing called sin? Does it rule in the life of a believer? Does the believer somehow have the capacity to rule over sin? What, is this an ongoing war at, with with separate battles won or lost like what is going on with sin so six weeks ago some things kind of came to a head and the topic came up in a great big way and i asked the lord to send me into the middle of this fracas and begin to clear some things up so i'm uh, on a mission from god you don't have to remember the blues brothers if you do or not to bring his word to bring his will to bring his wisdom into this topic because we need clarity and we need confidence we're going to start there by praying in seventh chapter of john's gospel jesus comes to the temple in the middle of the feast and begins to teach and the people wondered because jesus to them seemed uneducated imagine looking at jesus and thinking he was uneducated but they wondered where did this man get this teaching and Jesus didn't bat an eye, didn't, didn't hesitate at all. He said, my teaching is not mine. It is his who sent me. So let's pray now. Jesus keeps showing me how to work for the glory and the honor of the one who sent me, your Father and mine. Lord, in this time, make your word shine. Make your truth the, the unassailable fortress in this place, Lord. Bring understanding. We trust your word, that the unfolding of your words gives light, and it imparts understanding to the simple. So, Lord, we humbly come in the presence of your word, in the presence of your love, smothered in your grace, to receive from you exactly what you have for us today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I asked you to go to Romans chapter 6. Now, we're going to have to cut... We've got to kind of get a running start on 6. So we're, going to, so we're going to back up into 5 a little bit about verse 18 and charge into Romans chapter 
chapter 6 in just a minute. So in 5, God was just explaining through the Apostle Paul how it was that sin entered the human experience. And that happened through one man, the first man whose name was Adam. We get that. God was also explaining how sin was atoned for also by one man, sometimes called the second Adam, whose name is Jesus. Right. So here's how it rolls out in actual Scripture. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So this one act of righteousness, meaning the perfect life and the atoning death of Jesus Christ, was so totally effective that it brought about this, this amazing reality. And you read about it in verse 20 of Romans 5. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Sin increased, grace outran it. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's the reality we live in. So, all we got to do now is put it in cruise control, sin a whole lot, so grace outruns the sin, right? No. No. Charge straight into chapter 6 of Romans, first verse. These two questions come up. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? If you were looking for the single most sarcastic verse in all of Scripture, you may have just found it at the front end of Romans chapter 6. And, and we know the answer, and, and Paul, he's not going to waste any time bringing it, by no means. And not to give away the solution, it seems to put us in a quandary, right? Not to give away the solution too quickly, God has the apostle follow up with yet another question. You notice how Jesus does that in the Gospels? People ask him a question, he responds with a question. It makes you think. So, so the apostle's doing the same thing here. And he asks in the second half of, of verse 2 in Romans 6, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Have you thought about what a great question that is? I mean, at first it looks like it's totally rhetorical. What well, is rhetorical, but not totally. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That question lingers. It keeps asking, and it keeps asking. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Can we agree that sin has a presence? Sin has a pressure? That sin exerts an influence even on a believer? If we can't agree on that, we're going to have a tough time over the next 20 minutes or so, but sin has a presence, a pressure. It has a bearing even on the life of a, of a believer. The question is, what is that influence exactly? And to chase down an answer, I'm going to start by rewinding history about 37 years to a time when Kay and I were very, very young believers, and we'll pick it up from there and see if we can, if we can find some clues. I want to tell you what was going on with us back then. We'd been saved just a couple years uh, by that point. We'd been believers for 39, almost 40 years. About two years into our faith walk, we started hanging out with a bunch of Christians who believed in this thing called the doctrine 
of full sanctification. In a nutshell, that doctrine states that each Christian should expect to come to a point in this walk-around world, this side of heaven, where he or she does not sin anymore. At all. <laughs> Zero sin. You know, so I'm, I'm like 25, right? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm working and worshiping and, and doing life with, with, with other Christians, almost all of them, like two generations ahead of me. And I, I'm saying, I should, I should come to a point where I don't sin anymore. And, and many of them were saying they'd come to that point. And I look around, I went, oh, gosh. When I do some of the same things I see y'all doing, that, that's sin. <laughs> you know, I'm no expert on sin other than my own. But, you know, I do those same, those same things, and I get like this Holy Spirit conviction, like, oh, that, that wasn't good. Boy, was I confused. <laughs> and, and besides that, I thought, man, if, if y'all are going to be perfect this side of heaven, you better hurry. But some of you don't have a lot of time. Loved them dearly. I, I don't know how that got loose in, in the denomination, but, but boy, it, it sure it lambasted me. I, I didn't know what to do with it. About that same time, I read Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 10 for the first time as a believer. Oh, boy. <laughs> My daughter called me up several years ago. Daddy, I got a Bible question. I'm confused. Where are you reading, sweetheart? Hebrews 6, oh, I know why. <laughs> I know why you have Bible questions out of Hebrews 6. They're tough, technical passages, and I think every believer at some point should have a good wrestling match with those two chapters. Early on, maybe not the time. You know, maybe put that in the category of, I'm going to believe it so that I may understand it later on. Sure, I know for one thing, for a fact, I was not ready for it when I first encountered it. It was a one-two punch, this doctrine of full sanctification, and, and what Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 were telling me, like, oh my, really? I was reeling, just so off balance as a believer. Began to doubt if, if I even was a believer. It would be several years after those days before I found out that, that the Lord addresses that very situation in Scripture. In fact, he calls out an apostle to just pour it out there and, and admit to this struggle, like, what is going on with sin? I'm thoroughly saved, dedicated believer. What, what's going on? What's my relationship to sin? And that's the passage we're studying right here. You got Romans chapter 6, verse, chapter 7, and chapter 8. They are, in case you're interested, a theological passage, package. Please don't take any one of those without the other two. And if you take them in order, that's best yet. So we're going to do 6 and 7 today in just the first couple verses of, of 8. That's what, that's what we've got. So you see the Apostle Paul in chapter 6 of Romans. And it looks like he's got it made. He's home free, right? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And rolling in the next chapter, he's almost in a panic. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He seems like he's almost bereft and, and, and just completely without ideas. Well, he's not without ideas, but he's admitting to the struggle and putting it, putting it out there. Now, this is one of the more preached-on passages from Romans 6, 7, and 8. 
and it's particularly this, this struggle that Paul had. You can get online sermons just without even trying, half a dozen of them easily, fraction of a second. But here we are right here. There's Jack, there's Lindsay, there's Troy, back there's Mike. Here we are. What does the Lord want to tell us today? We're in the lineage of the history of God's people, and today counts. And I believe today is going to count for clearing up some confusion. I believe today is going to count for giving the devil a black eye and releasing some people, some precious souls, from that confusion that doesn't have to be whipped in. I've told you about my confusion back in 1985, 86, long about in there. Some of you are going, that dude is so old. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And it took a long time to come out of that confusion. So many years. Whew. But that whole topic goes so much further back. I'm going to take you all the way back to the very first book of the Bible. I'm going to take you back all the way to the first two human beings. Remember their names? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve became the first dad and the first mom. Their firstborn son was Cain. A little later, they had his younger brother, Abel. And you go to Genesis 4, and we hear more about these two brothers. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and other fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain is at a pivotal point right here, but he gives no indication of realizing that he is. We know what happens next. He murders his brother. But have you ever considered what might have happened instead? What else could have happened? Cain was so busy being angry that he chopped off the other option that he had. He was having a conversation with the Lord God. What if Cain had said, I messed up. Can you help me? If he hadn't been so angry, angry at God, probably, angry at his, at his brother, apparently, I think maybe Cain was even angry at himself for not having the humility to come to God and say, this isn't, this, this isn't good. What is an acceptable offering? Will, will you help me? Will you help me? How much differently it can go when God's children have the humility to say, ooh, that didn't work well. Will you help me? Sin is crouching at the door. All right? In Romans 7, 21, uh, let me see. Paul put it, put it this way. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, 
evil lies close at hand. Does that ring a bell anywhere in this room? Ah, like, that's where I live. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do good, evil lies close at hand. Well, what, what to do then? What, what do we do with this? <laughs> well, I brought a couple of visuals that I really hope are helpful. Next slide, please. This is a skunk. Skunks are famous for what? Their racing stripes? No. <laughs> They're spray. Skunks stink. Skunks stink even when they don't spray, but when they do spray, oh, you're done. This is a live skunk. <laughs> One night I was locking up the church. It was late at night. I was going down the sidewalk behind the west wing. Came face to face with a skunk, Diane. No, no farther than this right here. Face to face. Now, face to face with a skunk, not terribly bad. But before that skunk could spin around, I wanted to get in inside one of those classroom doors and shut it tightly behind me. In that moment, that skunk owned every square inch of this property, the whole place. I wasn't going to argue with it. I was not going to insist on my rights. As an image bearer of God, skunk is boss. This skunk represents sin in the life of every unbeliever. That skunk's boss. Sin is boss. Unbeliever, we got one or two in the room, you're going to sin. That's it. Because sin says so. In Romans chapter 6, this is how Scripture describes we who are Christians before we were Christians. Twice we're called slaves of sin. Our bodies are described as instruments for unrighteousness. That stinky little skunk was relentless and it was everywhere spraying its unholy scent and we ourselves were stinking up the joint everywhere we went. And then came Jesus. Next slide, please. <laughs> this also is a skunk. Okay, this is the most tasteful image of a roadkill skunk I could find. It could have been way worse. I'm not trying to ruin your lunch. I came past a roadkill something on the way here this morning. Like, yeah, it could have been way worse. This is a roadkill skunk. Does a roadkill skunk still stink? Yes. Will a roadkill skunk chase you down and spray you? No. No. This skunk, <laughs> this skunk represents sin in the life of a believer. Will we sin after being saved? Yes. Do we have to? No. And that sets up the most intriguing scenario. <laughs> so here's what I see. Um, sometime back, I, I counted up the number of... Y'all know I haven't done this ministry thing all my life, right? I did a whole other career before ever this, right? I, I think Kay and I have been involved um, closely and intimately with about five churches over the, uh, the 39 going 40 years of our faith walk. And what I see whenever we're a part of a 
community of believers, and most of all in this community of believers, I see that we love, we love grace. I'm not dinging grace at all. We love grace. Without grace, we, truly we're lost because indeed we were saved, what? By grace through faith. Without grace, we're lost. So we love grace. Anytime we stop to think about it, we love grace. Most of the time we just operate in grace without even really realizing it. But boy, you stop and think about it, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Here's what else I see among all of us in this body of believers is I see a kind of a, it's a spiritual ambition. It's an eagerness to participate in our own sanctification. Cain could have. We want to. We want to participate in our own sanctification. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And best I can tell, the Father is tickled pink for us to take part in all of this. I can't imagine why, why he wouldn't be. So here's, what do we have to do? This, this is where we, we begin to take part. And, and I want to tell you this. First thing, look right here. Christian, sin is not your master anymore. Sin is not your master anymore. Roll seamlessly, please, with me in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is where we get to take part. What does that freedom involve? Well, think of that roadkill skunk. If you don't want to smell the skunk, or you don't want to smell like the skunk, I travel on two wheels whenever I get a chance, right? Roadkill skunk, not something you want to get into. Can I get an amen, Logan? That's right. Right, you're not only going to smell the skunk, you're going to smell like the skunk, stay out of the roadkill skunk. So if you want to stay out of the roadkill skunk, what might you do? Take a different road. Just take a different road. This freedom that we are delivered into involves taking a different road than sin. Will we sin after being saved? Yes. Do we have to? No. Cain had options, so do we. Taking a different road. But our enemy, our adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the one who hates us, the one who knows his days are short, yet wants to torment every one of us till the very last second, this is what he wants us to believe, that we're still under the law of sin and death. It's what he wants us to believe. But that's not true. New law. The law of the spirit of life. New rules of engagement. That new life involves that new freedom the freedom to take a different road. So do you suppose there's anything God expects us to learn as we operate in this, in this freedom? He sure does. He sure does. And that's what it means to be, I'm going to borrow just a little bit from the tail end of Romans 8. It says, for those who, who, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Don't worry about foreknew, predestined. We'll do that some other day. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Hey, Christian, today you are more like Jesus than you were yesterday because God is faithful and he's doing that thing. The doctrine of full sanctification, as we say in the trades, is a half a bubble off, at least. Sanctification is an ongoing thing that begins at the moment of salvation and continues to your very last day. Whether Jesus comes back or he calls you home, that's when it'll go on. You will be most like Jesus on your very last day. The Lord will have accomplished everything he intended to accomplish in you by that day. But it goes on and on and on until your last day. Do you want to participate in it? Do you want to cooperate with the Lord in all this? Do you want to give the the adversary a black eye and, and understand what this freedom is? Well, I want to take you to the Old Testament again. I want to point out Psalm 19. Just flip over to to Psalm 19, if you would. There are two side-by-side verses that I think will really help us to understand this whole live skunk, dead skunk thing, (laughs) in case the visuals didn't get it. All right, Psalm 19, verse 12. I'm going to give this to you out of the, the NLT first. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. So the psalmist, in this case David, you read the front end of Psalm 19, and it looks like a total creation psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Right? And it just goes over what, how grand cre- creation is. And, and David's finding himself feeling kind of small, you know, in the presence of creation. And then he starts talking about the laws and precepts and the commandments of the Lord, and he feels even smaller. And so it drives him to pray this thing right here. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. What an innocent prayer that is. How simple and direct and childlike. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he prays, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. The Bible sets up two categories of sins. The first one, we'll give that a name ourselves. We'll call those sins of ignorance. You ever run a stop sign because you didn't see it? Yeah. Well, I ran it because I didn't see it. If I'd seen it, then I get to decide whether I'm going to stop or not, right? I didn't see it. It's unfamiliar territory. I, 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 that's why I ran it. I didn't see it. A sin of ignorance. Huh. But we still get Holy Spirit conviction, which causes us to pray a prayer very much like this. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. And in the very, in the very moment, get this, church, in the very moment we pray a prayer, something like that, over a sin of ignorance, it's no longer a sin of ignorance. That thing just left the category called sins of ignorance, and it goes into that second category, and we're going to call that by the same name the Bible calls it, presumptuous sins. These are the sins we commit knowing they're sins. 
been there a couple times before, did that, did it again. These are the sins that presume upon God's grace. I'm not saying God's grace runs out after a certain number of presumptuous sins. Grace is inexhaustible, which is the very nature of grace. But I don't think it's difficult for us to see how presumptuous sins, as compared to sins of ignorance, would have a profoundly different effect on the believer. Here's a lighthearted example. Most of the kids left. All right, please forgive me up front for being indelicate. Pastor of a church uh, not too far from here, name is Matt, leads the young man to the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. One, one more snatch from the, from the flame, right? Love it. So Matt enters into a discipleship arrangement with this young man. Glory, hallelujah. A pastor doing what he's supposed to do. So he's, uh, they enter into this discipleship arrangement, and the, 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 new, the new Christian, he is just so hungry for all the truth of the gospel, and he's getting into the Word, and going, this, wow, it's just blowing his mind. Every time they get together, he's getting some new glorious truth. Problem is, and it's driving Matt crazy, is the guy's vocabulary. It's rough. He drops f bombs like ah, punctuation, extra syllables. They're just everywhere in this guy's speech. So Matt gets together with him one day, and they're going over something, and he's just oh, he's so blown away, and he goes, "That's unbelievable!" And he stopped, and he goes. Maybe I need to stop using that word. And Matt said, oh, that would be so helpful. <laughs> like, man, this is going to go way better for me. It's all about me, right? <laughs> if, if that, you see what happened? A sin of ignorance became a presumptuous sin. And this young believer said, I don't want that to be a burden on my faith walk anymore. We're doing that all the time. A friend of mine said a few years ago, oh, the Lord just lets us by with less and less, doesn't he? I said, yeah, it's a good thing. Yes, amen, it is a good thing. And I'm glad for it. Oh, wow, those two categories. Here's, Scripture says right here that presumptuous sins can have dominion over a believer. What do you suppose that dominion might involve? Lose your salvation? No. No, no, no. You're saved by grace through faith. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's not your behavior or how many things you're able to identify as sins of ignorance and put them in as presumptuous sins. No, what's this dominion thing? You're leaving the door open to the devil in presumptuous sins. That, that dominion means exactly this. To the exact same degree that we as believers hang out in presumptuous sin, we are no longer participating and cooperating in our sanctification. We're holding it up. We're holding it up, throwing up barriers to being conformed to the image of God's Son. It's taking longer. It's harder. And you leave that, leave that door open to that deception, the same deception that was worked the very first time. Have you ever thought maybe like the serpent came and he tried deception and it worked and he was more surprised than anybody else on the planet? So it worked the first time. He's just kept up with that same tactic, polishing on it. He's better at deception than we are. Just admit that 
and run to Jesus. We hang out in presumptuous sins, we give, we give credence to that deception. Almost buy into it. Like, no, you're not good enough. Like, why would you expect to ever uh, find forgiveness in the Lord? Why would you expect even to enjoy his presence? You did what you did, and you're going to call him Father? Really? Those presumptuous sins have a profoundly different effect in the life of a believer. The worst of all, this will make us think we don't have access to God our Father. Like, where else are we going to go to find forgiveness? Where, where else are we going to go? Left our own devices. We've seen throughout the course of history what happens. And it's not pretty. If Satan convinces the believer that there's no acts of the Father, that believer's in a world of hurt. And that's exactly the kind of confusion. Lord, clear it up today. Clear it up today. Make it plain. Make it plain. Make it plain. So why am I telling you all this? Well, two reasons, basically. My pastor's heart aches. When I see any of you all in that confusion, like I was all those years ago, all the elders of this church, we want to leave beside still waters and into green pastures just like the good shepherd does. And it's going to kind of, whoa, hurt right there behind the, the breastbone, right? When this just, just goes on and on. We'll see that cleared up. Conversely, our hearts are so glad when we see the confusion clearing up. And when we see people walking in this freedom, this freedom to take a different road. <laughs> I have freedom to take a different road. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. The second reason is this. When the last song is sung and the last amen is spoken in this room today, you see, I can't count you all in this amount of time. You're going to take off in about 200 different directions. That's way more directions than I can take off in. Sometimes Kay thinks I'm going in 200 directions at once. I'm not. But you all can. Just because you are you. And you're going out into this world from this space here where we're gathered to pay attention to the Lord to be given understanding and light through the unfolding of His Word. And when you go out of here, I want you to take this message about this, about this newfound freedom. I keep... I keep sort of an informal mental list of the most overused and underdefined words in the English language. Love always tops that list. But somewhere on the, I keep anywhere from five to seven going, right? The most overused and underdefined words in all the English language. You know what other word always makes that list? Freedom. Here's the biggest, fattest, ugliest misunderstanding. And it's, it's just all over the place of the word freedom. I do what I want. I'm free to do what the heck I want to do. By that definition, freedom, I guarantee to you, is its own worst enemy. Clean your clock. 
you do what the heck you want to do, I do what the heck I want to do, I won't even like what I do, and nobody else will either. I won't like what you do. Go check out the Apostle Paul about the middle of Romans chapter 7. He didn't even like what he was doing. He hated what he was doing. The misunderstanding of freedom is I do what I want to do. But there's a true freedom. And we just got it. I'm going to speak it over you. I may do this ten more times before we get out of here today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's the reality you live in as a Christian. And I'm going to claim it myself, too. Not going to go without doing all of this. Okay. Paul asked the question, Romans 6, 2. How can we who died to sin still live in it? <laughs> Pretty much like that. We have the freedom to take the other road, some different road. <laughs> all of our walk of faith, right? We're going to continually plucking things out of this category called sins of ignorance and dropping them into this other thing called presumptuous sins. And all the while, we're going to be talking to the Lord about that because we're not going to believe the lie and the deception of the devil that we don't have access to the Father when we sin. Continually plucking them from one to the other. And so today, here comes your, your pastoral challenge. I want you to have four conversations about your freedom, about this new law, the law of the spirit of life. The four, first one will be very short and very intense. It's not even a conversation, it's a monologue. And you're going to have that with Satan saying something like, in the name of Jesus, I am no longer bound by the law of sin and death. I am set free by the blood of Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Amen and amen. Don't give him a chance to speak in that conversation. He's got no place in it. Secondly, I want you to have a conversation with Jesus about your freedom. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's no declaration. There's no constitution. There's no act of Congress, no military might in the universe that can secure a freedom like that. Thank you, Jesus. Third conversation. Speak to one another about your freedom. Give testimony. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Tell somebody. Tell somebody in here. Share it. And the fourth conversation is this. Tell the world. Tell the world about your freedom and what it means. There are so many false freedoms loose in this world. There are so many people in the world who really want the true thing. And, and 
I don't know. I don't know how God keeps track of every circumstance. I know that he does. I don't know how. But, but I think under that huge umbrella of sovereignty, uh, under that huge umbrella of omniscience and omnipotence, God has certain circumstances such that there are people in this world who won't know anything about that freedom if you don't tell them. That's the fourth conversation about your freedom. And if I may, I'm going to say it one more time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We hear it all the time in church. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear of what? Fear of condemnation. Read the context. Perfect love casts out fear. We operate in this law of the spirit of life. Of life. Please have those four conversations. I'm going to open up an opportunity for you to have some conversations before you leave here. Leave this room. The other elders and I, however many of us we can uh, shove into the prayer room back there in the room. It's easily identifiable. You look above the door and it says P-R-A-Y-E-R prayer. We're going to gather there. Hey, Tim, we're going to be invading that space in a little bit. (laughs) And on four Sundays of each month, we have elder question and answer. We're not only on this topic of Romans 6, 7, a little bit of 8. We're on any topic that 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 you want to ask about. I, I say to so when I'm not screwing in light bulbs or chasing mice around the building, I do counseling. Actually, I do more counseling than I do screwing in light bulbs and chasing mice around the building. Thankfully, uh, good. But finally, 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 the Lord has sanctified my counseling ministry far enough. He's got a long way to go. But sanctified my counseling ministry far enough so far that I go into any time with folks who might be a counselee of some type I'm resolved to know only two things. What's the topic of our conversation? What does Scripture say about that topic? The Lord has spoken, guaranteed. What has he said? And then from there, it's listening and responding with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Taught by the Word, led by the Spirit. If you step into the prayer room and you talk to the elders, we will commit to that. You'll have to clue us in on the first thing. What's the topic of the conversation? And, and if we don't know what the Bible says on that topic, then we'll have to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. We would love to engage with anybody who will in the time that we have left. Looks like we're um, finishing up a little bit early this morning. One last time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Is there any gratitude in that? Going from that, that place where, where Paul says, for I find it to be a law that when I want to do good, evil lies close at hand. Is there any gratitude when you think about from the, from the very first procreated human being, there's this reality that sin is crouching at the door and the Lord God just said it. Its desire is contrary to you. Its desire was contrary to Cain. 
His desire is contrary to you. As Hugh Craddock said last week, quoting scripture, walk in the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sin is crouching at the door. Hey, believer, is that a live skunk? Is that a dead skunk? Can you take a different road? These things that happen, will we sin now that we're saved? Yes. Do we have to? No. Okay, where's that sin of ignorance as, as compared to that presumptuous sin? Talk to Jesus about that. In fact, let's talk to Jesus now. Call the worship team back up. What we're going to do in the next little bit is uh, they're going to lead us in worship. Uh, prayer teams are going to be here. Elders will get ready for Q&A in the, in the prayer room. There are so many believers in this room. There is like ricochet faith about to happen among you all. That's, that's what's about to happen. You don't have to run off. You don't have to rush off. We won't lock, we won't lock the doors for I don't know how long, right? But do as the Lord tells you today. Linger as long as you'd like. Ask any questions of the elders. The Lord leads you to ask. And we'll do our best. Let's pray. Father God, and the first thing, the first thing, if, if I may, Lord, pray on behalf of all of us gathered here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We are no longer bound by the law of sin and death. We have been set free by the law of the Spirit of life. Lord, I pray that you'll just... Okay. Your word's back to you, Lord. Now to you. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ask or even imagine. Lord, my prayer here and all of our prayers collectively couldn't come close to what you already have in mind. Lord, please clue us in. Will you show us your glory? Will you show us more of your glory than we can handle? Please, God, help us to know more about our freedom. Granted, you truly, Lord, have made the one who had no sin to be sin for us. We get to become in him the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord. Here's a gratitude, Father. Be glorified. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth beginning right here and among these people of yours. And Father, I'll continue. I'm saying, will you show us the dominion we have? You said to Cain, you must rule over it. Lord, you wouldn't have given him an impossible command, an unfunded mandate. Lord, there, there's got to be a way. Father, will you please show us by the leading of your Holy Spirit in every moment, where's the other road? Where's the other road? What's that other option? What's the alternative? And Father, we please, please help us to knock down the pride. Please help us to knock down the anger. All the things that caused Cain to choose the option he did. Lord, will you help us, please, to battle those, to mortify those, to drag them out in the yard and beat them to death and be done with them? Father, we want to run like your much-loved children in this freedom. Boundless, endless, leading us from where we are right now into an eternity you've prepared 
that is far beyond anything we could conjure up in our imaginations. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. Yours, O oh God, is the dominion and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.